the incomparable. Number 415, July 2018. Hello, everybody. I'm Jason Snell. Welcome back to the Summer of Marvel. And verily, we have a fine crew of warriors here with us to discuss Thor and Thor the Dark World. Yes, it is time to take a trip to Asgard and see what the heck is going on there. It's like a mythical realm, or is it just a planet? Are they gods? Are they aliens? I don't know. There's a lot going on, and uh, Thor is there, and Loki is there, and all that. So 2011's Thor and uh, 2013's Thor The Dark World on our agenda for this time. Yeah, we never talked about those movies, so we got to talk about them now. And these are the people who will be talking about them with me, uh, a true son of Asgard in every way. Mr. John Moltz. Hello. Hi. Um, it's great to be here, and uh, I look forward to our discussion, Jason. I do, too. Yes, so, Mr. <laughs> Moltz, we meet again. We're not so different, you yes. and I. <laughs> John and I have a running thing about Thor, the Dark World, which I would like to characterize as that I don't like it, and John loves it, but that's not really true. It's more like, <laughs> it's I, not true it's more like I hate it, and John doesn't think it's that bad. It's not really much of a nemesis. <laughs> I enjoy it. Oh, well, we'll, get, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get good. There. We'll get there. Joe Rosensteel's also yeah. here. Hello, Joe. Hello. Uh, Mew Mew. What's... Go <laughs> <laughs> Mew Mew, uh, uh, Doctor Dring the, from the internet. This is not, not a movie made in the 20th century, but you are still here with us. Hello, <laughs> trust my rage, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan Morin, I need a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, how about okay, one of those larger dogs? They had horses in yeah. the first movie, and then in the second movie, they had ravens. That's mm. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but they just used the horses to go on the Rainbow Bridge they to just the part go, that actually yeah, takes ride like down the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's like riding a golf cart, basically. <laughs> like, I, I do like, I mean, one of, the, one of the things about the Thor mythos in general that I think is fascinating in these first two movies, especially, because there's Thor Ragnarok, which we haven't talked about. There'll be another episode about that later. These movies are about taking mythology and trying to find a way to tell a modern story around it in this larger cinematic universe, right? And so one of the things that I find fascinating, I found fascinating in rewatching them is this idea that, like I said earlier, like Asgard, you know, basically what they're saying is that they're aliens and they came to Earth and were worshipped as gods. But the way they portray them is not like, well, we were aliens and in the context of the primitive peoples of Earth and in Scandinavia in the, in, the, in the year 900, they thought about that we would be like like them, but in fact we were a, a, an advanced spacefaring society. No, it's like literally, no, we do ride horses. We do. We have spaceships sometimes. <laughs> that look like boats. And, and, they're, and the weapons. The weapons I find very confusing. They have like big staffs, but some of them fire lasers. Exactly. I love the aesthetic. Uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy about both of these movies is that they go this bizarre space fantasy route. And yeah, it's weird and it doesn't always make sense. But it it looks cool, most of it. And like the Thor Ragnarok, they go much heavier into the space side, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's, yeah. it, it feels like a totally different book. different movie in terms of the ethos. That's just a pure, yeah, but, pure but, like science fictional kind of aspect to all the space stuff. There. I feel like you can see the roots of it here, right? Like they just leaned yeah. hard in and like they turned a, a hard right turn there. But like you can see it being doled out here, especially like towards the end. Dark World, you get like the collector at the end, right? Like, and so you get the idea it's part of this larger one and that maybe other everyone else is like, oh man those crazy ass guardians with their weird stabs that shoot lasers well bizarre yeah we just don't we don't go there <laughs> well they have spaceships but i don't know i think i think um 
It's an interesting issue where you could say that Marvel is kind of juggling kind of superhero tropes and science fiction tropes, but I don't think it's true. I think they're juggling superhero tropes, science fiction tropes, and this sort of science fantasy mythology kind of stuff. And for me, it always seemed a little bit jarring that um, I, I love Thor Ragnarok where they kind of completely collide. But here, um, and in, in both of these movies, you do have those moments where you're like, so is this, you know, is this space or is this like another dimension? <laughs> and it's 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 very, because it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy space, right? This right. is like a really different kind of thing that they're doing here with these movies. Well, these there's movies. still weird stuff. I mean, like, I mean, the thing that I always think of is, is when you first see Asgard, and it's it's like a pancake yeah right? it's like, <laughs> yeah it's very it's yeah. not a, and they call it a planet but it's it's not it doesn't look like a planet at all um <laughs> congratulations Realm. to the flat earthers they've been proved correct <laughs> so at least somewhere in the universe yeah, it's a mountain with clouds around it or something world and then in, in guardians you you get you get there's i think and it also like thanos is like when he first appears in avengers like he's at some place where there's rocks floating in the and things like that there's i mean there's there's other places sure. where things don't make sense too so it's not just there it's but it's comic but book it's science fiction very much not making any sense in thor it's true but here here you've got the you you they they lean into which i i actually do find delightful this whole idea that gods were alien astronauts but they're like no 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 but they're really they're gods they are as described like they they talk like that they wear that armor they have swords and hammers and stuff like that was totally accurate and i think but they're also in space i think it's actually kind of fun and i do agree with dan too i think it looks great i think i think it is a it is a strange fantasy kind of uh setup that they, that they it's a tough trick to pull off and we could debate how well they put pull it off at various points but i do think it's really fun that they just they went with it like this is um this is what asgard is yeah it's kind of there are nine realms and there are portals but they're also einstein rosen bridges and so they're actually wormholes to space and like this mm-hmm. the movies especially the first one like it seems fairly comfortable in saying yep those are those two things can be true at once sure why not i love how um how goo goo eyed uh, natalie portman Jane, Jane natalie portman yeah jane foster thank you um gets when thor uh waxes poetic about uh <laughs> astrophysics when she's the actual astrophysicist yeah. <laughs> oh my god he's so great can, i know can, so much more about astrophysics than he does but he's so poetic all agree that they will that they will make the, that they, this is like the most attractive couple possibly in like most of the mcu <laughs> right like the, the, i'm sorry it's just like every time there's the scene in like thor in the dark world where they like they're talking they first see each other again and they like sort of yeah. talk but then neither of them was really paying attention i'm like yeah they're both very very attractive people. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, you just don't seem to have much chemistry. But yeah, what are you yeah. gonna do about that? Yeah, this I is this is terrible. But it's not it's not great. I, I agree, yeah. it's not the best. But it's not. I I don't think it's the. It's certainly not the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, with, it's not the worst chemistry you've seen with Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> wow, high bar. Which I still don't understand. How can anybody not? Have, oh, I Thor, is there a sand realm? I do not like sand. He says. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, Natalie Portman is one of those things where you know she's a good actress. They put her in these Thor movies, and it's very clear this is one of those cases where the is it the studio? Is it the actress? I don't know. They had such great luck with uh, with casting with mcu and it's not like she's bad but it's very clear like yeah. either she didn't want to do it or they didn't know what to do with her because 
after these two movies, it's just like, well, she's somewhere else and we never see her again. <laughs> no, she broke up with him. <laughs> yeah, right? but I mean... We get that in Ragnarok, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's li- literally like, well, she, in the Avengers, they mention, oh, Jane is somewhere. And then in, in Ragnarok, it's like, yeah, uh, she's not around anymore. But it's very clear that like, if they had a plan to extend her or if she had a multi-picture deal, it kind of came apart in, for some reason. And I don't know why, but... I, I mean, I think with all these roles, like, yes, you're a professional actor, you're there to you do your job, and you're there to do it to your best of your ability, and that's great. But it really helps if you kind of realize what you're buying into, right? And, like, some of the MCU actors have done a better job of this, I think, than mm-hmm. others. I mean, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. has and directors. Just, yes, that too. But I think, uh, yeah. like, there's, like, buying into the franchise, right, and realizing I am not just a, here to be an actor, I'm here to be part of like a character in this right. huge tapestry of things. And I have to, like, I got to have a good time. <laughs> I, I am a cog in this giant machine known right. as Disney. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, you know, it, it helps if you can really come to terms with that. And I feel yes, like maybe that was not in her, on her menu there. Well, it also wasn't in her script. I mean, she, she's, she's not a very well, Jane Foster's not a very well written character in no. these movies. She just doesn't have a lot to do. You compare her to all the other characters, even you know, the human characters around her, they all have better parts than she does. Yeah. You know, she's there yeah, you're right. to moon after Thor and, you know, to present the female gaze and and uh, and you know, pretend to be an astrophysicist, even though apparently the writers don't know what astrophysicists do. So <laughs> yeah, she doesn't get a chance to solve. I, I, in watching this movie, the, the first Thor, uh, and I've seen it two or three times now. I'm always disappointed that she doesn't like use her human astrophysics to solve Thor's astrophysics problem, like to figure out another way to get mm-hmm. the Bifrost or something. But that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Like she, her expertise is only there to literally like put them under the spot where Thor falls out of the sky. And after that, it's you know yeah. it's a MacGuffin at a couple of points. We're gonna get my stuff back, get my book back. But it really isn't like her expertise. And in the second movie, similarly, like it puts her in the right. Pl- or the wrong place at the wrong time, I suppose, to find the ether. But, like, her presence is not there. Her brilliance doesn't solve any problems in either of these movies. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the stuff is all Selvig's. You know, the stuff that yeah, they right. use at the end yeah. to move people around is is all Eric's. Yeah, I agree, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think the one aspect of her that I do think works well is I do think her rapport with Darcy like well that yeah a female friendship is not something you get a lot of in the mcu it's true <laughs> and i think they execute on it really well here and a large part of that credit also goes to kat dennings who i think exactly. you know even though she has well, a small role she really just nails the hell out of that like all the way through and that's the thing that i was going to say is like the the sad thing about losing um her is is that you also lose kat dennings because she is sort of they're they're com- you know, they're a package deal, basically. Right. Yeah. She, right. she improvised the line banana balls. So <laughs> somebody in our, our Slack suggested that maybe she's off working for some weird branch of shield. Maybe if they bring, <laughs> um, if they bring Eric Selvig back in another movie that she could be like working on a pro- the project with him or something, because she's really funny and, and she is good she's in great. these movies and her, the whole, yeah. the whole team, um, 
I, I like one of the things I like in that first movie, uh, and we'll get to it, is the is the fact that that the team of human beings all kind of interact together and they're working together as a team, and it's fun. You can see like that's a really I really do like movies and TV shows where you get like a group of people and they're all a little quirky, but they're all working together as a team and they like each other and they've got a plan and they stick up for each other, and you really feel that in in the the first movie especially that they're they're all together. And Kat Dennings says a lot of funny things. She's you know political scientist but she is the only person who applied for the internship she loses her ipod at one point and is very upset about that like there's a bunch of good stuff with cat dennings in the in in especially the first movie but both yeah, movies. We, we, i think I, oh i think the second one too i mean i think no, the second one is yeah, fantastic she's, she's got, got good mean, stuff in all of them yeah yeah in, in general the mcu continues you know with our exception of the whole time we just spent on natalie portman the mcu continues its run of having really good casting jobs because i do think stellan skarsgård in both of these movies oh, yeah. is an is absolute good. delight yeah uh he gets to go from being the really smart professor to being the slightly oddball professor i, I think better with uh without pants on so i i just i he is great he again someone else who's like this guy is a consummate actor he has probably made like a hundred movies mm-hmm. in his life and he shows up and he is here to do whatever his game right he's very (laughs) he's very committed to this weird like secondary character and you gotta kind of do that who would have thought that coming out of of thor original thor that like somebody maybe it was joss whedon i don't know said we're gonna put eric selvig stellan skarsgård we're gonna just put him all over the avengers too even though he's this you know he's not even a a tertiary character he is a background character basically in the ensemble of thor and they're like nope he, we're gonna we're gonna use him and he's great he's he's good in the avengers and he turns he turns and then he you know is working for loki and then they bring him back and it's kind of fun they've got thor and loki but they also bring uh, eric selvig along for the ride in avengers and then they bring him back in 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 the second thor movie where he gets to be uh kind of driven crazy and all of that and then they're, they're, by the way and well i mean we'll get to the individual movies but that there is i love the scene and john i'm gonna say something nice about thor 2 here so get ready <laughs> the scene where stellan Skarsgård is explaining in detail all of the scenarios of how the oh, movie's yeah. physics work and you're sitting there thinking on one level like this is exposition but the brilliant thing is that then you get the reverse shot and he's explaining it yeah. to a, a, a just an uninterested group of people in the mental institution where he is locked it's a great moment and, and he it's, takes it's, Stanley's shoes and Stanley yeah, can, yeah, I, can I have my, my shoe back, back. yeah, yeah right. it's so good uh, I, but to extend that too like the Thor is interesting in that they build out a lot in the first two movies of this really detailed world right because you've got odin you've got Frigga, you've got loki you've got the warriors three you've got heimdall uh all these characters and then in, in ragnarok eventually like tosses forget about it of them <laughs> which is wacky but but works but like i i do yeah. think most for the most part the the people that they have in all these supporting roles i mean anthony anthony hopkins um, you know, Rene Russo, all these people yeah. are really, really good and they do a nice job of capturing their characters and they are, they do show up even for th- roles that might seem silly. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do think too that, that bringing Brana in to direct Thor was kind of a smart move because it, oh, it does so. turn it into like sort of a Shakespearean, smart. Shakespearean tragedy type thing. Yeah. Let me take a brief break to tell you about one of our sponsors this week. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Linode. Linode powers The Incomparable. Our website, most of our shows, all of my other websites, 
all on a single Linode server. With Linode, you have access to a suite of powerful hosting options. Prices start at just $5 a month, and you can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in less than a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers. They're all serviced by a friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help you want. They also have a suite of amazing guides and support documentation to give you a reference when you need it. Linode's intuitive control panel, I have used that many, many times. It lets you deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone your virtual servers. Just a few clicks. It really is super easy. And yes, there is two-factor authentication to keep you safe. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for only $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener to this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash Snell, you'll not only be supporting the incomparable, you'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan on the one gigabyte of RAM plan that's for free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash Snell to learn more sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or just use this promo code snell2018 when you check out thank you to linode for hosting all of my stuff and supporting the incomparable uh we should talk about uh about chris hemsworth and we should talk about tom hiddleston let's start with thor himself um interesting how like how do you play thor um they have gone you know, I, I think Thor is at his best when he is a kind of a lovable lug who's not entirely, you know, he's not he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he figures it out eventually. I, I think Hemsworth is, I think he's very good. He is, yes, he's a pretty, pretty man, but he, I think he's very good. And having seen him in, in, in other stuff, he's got more uh, range and way, way better comedic uh, chops than you would expect for oh for such a handsome yeah. man, but he's very funny. And so when he when Thor could be funny, he's great. Yeah. Well, important question for movie one. I'm maybe this is less of a question than a comment. I'm pretty sure they dyed his eyebrows in movie one. <laughs> he looks very weird throughout the entire movie. And I finally staring at his face at the end, like, oh yeah, he's way blonder here than he is in later movies. And I think they bleached his eyebrows. Well, also he was wearing a wig in the first movie, oh, and he grew out his hair from the second movie. Yeah, it looks it looks wrong. Oh, it looks okay. different from later. It's movies. It's not our Thor in that first movie. It's, it's very quite right. Like well, he yeah. seems to have a lot of mascara on in the first movie too. <laughs> I mean, you're hey guy, you're gonna play a guy. God. Um, good luck. <laughs> good casting again. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think I think he's really likable and and uh that that was good casting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it gets better as it goes along and I think he's amazing in especially Ragnarok, which is this is not about that, but I think he's very good especially in the scenes where he is um he is allowed to be funny, which yeah. doesn't always And that had happen. to be that had to be sort of fortuitous, right? Because I don't think that they cast him for that. I don't think that I mean, at they the cast beginning him because he thought, looks like Thor, right? He's a yeah, right. They cast man. him because he was a big, you know, like gorgeous slab of meat, and they couldn't have expected by the third movie it's going to be almost a comedy. <laughs> and oh, by the way, this guy is actually pretty good at that. Yeah, I think he showed a light touch in the first movie mm-hmm. and in the second movie, and 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 in those movie in in these two movies, we're talking about the, these two movies, right? Not Ragnarok, right? Uh, but <laughs> as much as we'd like to, yeah. we can't do that. We have to talk about <laughs> these two. <laughs> these are th- theoretically serious movies, but he's got the light touch when it's when it's necessary, and I think they learn from that. And I have no idea whether you know the script was 
altered of the first Thor when they learned that he could do this? Or maybe they had just – maybe these people are smarter than we are and they, they had learned from his previous work that he could do this and he could handle both. I mean it's obvious you just look at him. He can handle one part of the, one part of the role. Uh, but, but the light touch and when he's not – when Thor is not trying to be funny – is when he's the best. Oh, yes. And, and they mm-hmm. needed to do that, right? Because the character of Thor, as, you know, sort of borrowed from the comic books, it, it doesn't really work as well. All of these characters, they had to make adjustment for all of these Marvel characters in our current, right? Like as a something that would be palatable to the audiences of today, mm-hmm. right? So a Thor that was totally in earnest all the time and everybody around him, like, didn't really, you know, kind of bought into that earnestness to a certain extent is going to be hard to pull off. You need a degree of self-awareness to land the fact that this guy is going to, as we discussed earlier, talk like this crazy, you know, these (laughs) ancient Norse gods, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that was not going to work straight. So, like, from the very, you know, early moments where you get him, like, hit with a van or whatever, right? Like, the fact (laughs) he can do physical comedy. That's a great, it's a great scene. You get hit with a van twice in the first like 15 minutes of the movie and it's hilarious um i thought so uh but i think you need to be able to have that level of thing where he can deliver his earnestness in a way that is going to be we the audience are going to be able to perceive that it's kind of ridiculous right yeah yeah i just uh, but at the same time i don't think that they could have predicted that they were going to get um taika waititi to to direct the third one <laughs> no no not at all but like these e-movies keep they embrace that i think like in, yeah in more and more right like mm-hmm. the second half of there's a, a number of good scenes i think in the dark world where they embrace the bizarre absurdity of it right like yeah. riding the metro right like yeah like you yeah. gotta lean into that and i think that they do it nicely and it fits he, well he hangs his hammer up on the hook and yes yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> it's just polite little things little things like that really really <laughs> Put it right here. That coat rack is worthy, is what I'm saying. It's your your hammer rack. Where where do you hang your hammer? So uh, we should also talk about Tom Hiddleston, who obviously made such an impression in Thor that they're like, he's going to be the bad guy in the Avengers too. Like, let's just bring him over. And they keep killing him, but somehow he just doesn't stay dead. Um, You know, again, I've heard, I've had several people tell me that Tom Hiddleston alone is enough reason to watch the Thor movies. And I, I, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. He's very, very good at what he Certainly does. Certainly the first one. Yeah. He's a very charismatic villain. Uh, yeah. And he... He has reasons. Like the character has yeah. reasons too, which is interesting. Yeah, he's he's more complicated certainly than um let's say uh Laufey or Malekith in in his villainous motives. Uh so it's much more interesting to watch him and he overshadows basically any other villainy that is occurring right. inside of the film, which is almost incidental to his convoluted, twisty plots against other people, um, which are uh more interesting to to witness. I mean, he's the god of lies and mischief. So, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. he leans into yeah. it. He goes, "Yeah." Do you get Do you get that label up front, or do they like see your behavior and go, "You know what? <laughs> I'm going to say you're the god of mischief, and that's being kind because you're a liar." <laughs> when I was in Iceland earlier this year, we listened to the Neil Gaiman Norse mythology, and anytime they told stories about Thor and Loki, I could not help but picture Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> and it like you're, the way that, that Neil Gaiman especially writes those stories, it's like it seems like it could be them, like the characters seem consistent from the Norse mythology to these comic book movie superhero versions like and that that is great that is a great thing to be able to have that to anchor your movies with yeah and there are millions of gifs of 
Tom Hiddleston all over Tumblr. Um, so <laughs> a lot of gifts too. Tons of gifts as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure that's true. It's pronounced. It's pronounced chiffs. Everybody. <laughs> it's pronounced laufy. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so yes, the gods. The gods are aliens. Let's talk about Thor, the first movie cr- directed by, of course, famed uh, superhero movie director Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, but I did ha- at several moments think, well, you know, they're like, yeah, man, Shakespeare it up a little bit. Go for it. And like the the, the, the all the uh, the stuff that happens in Asgard is super like I, I you know Shakespearean in a lot of ways, and that I that I, I get it. I get it. Um, we definitely, th- this movie, so one of the things that happens structurally that I think is worth uh, mentioning is this movie begins very much like a TV, w- one of those TV shows that shows you something and then says 48 hours earlier because it begins with um, the the science crew out in the desert in New Mexico um, following a, it's like Astro- astrophysicists storm chasing. Yeah, yeah. Basically, my, my note said, is this how auroras work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Twister, except with Einstein Rosenbridges. So, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, they hit house. they hit somebody who has just <laughs> appeared out of nowhere. And come on, it's totally Thor, but we don't see that. Instead, we see the title cards, and then we're taken to Asgard, where we see a whole bunch of other things that are happening. And this is one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting in terms of the structure is that it's as Dan said, he gets hit twice in fifteen minutes. <laughs> we it's a, it's more than 15 minutes before we get back to new mexico it there's is, yeah. i think it's like a half an hour of asgard of seeing thor anthony hopkins voiceover too which oh, is yes. super creepy if you've watched westworld, westworld yeah. as soon as his voice starts oh. i'm like oh my god it's robert ford <laughs> or quite frankly the silence of the lambs there are other movies that that would also make sure, anthony hopkins sure. that, that was creepy. the most recent thing i had seen him in yes. though and his voice is so distinctive <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yes, he gives the whole, in both of these movies, begin with a Anthony Hopkins doing his, uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins does his little, uh, like, in the old, in, in the earliest of times in Asgard, <laughs> the one of those kind of things that goes on. Um, and uh, and we learn, like, there's there's fighting, and the, the, the frost giants are trying to steal this thing that that we, we saw in the flashback was something where they had been defeated by Odin, and uh, and they took the, their power source away, so now they're coming to get it, but there's, a like, a monster robot thing that kills them, um, but Thor is not made the king, even though he was sort of about to be crowned, um, and he insists that he... Uh, He's going to go fight them, and so then there's a whole big fight scene where they go to the Frost Giant's planet, or realm, or whatever it is. I don't even know anymore. Planet. Let's say planet. Um, and <laughs> they fight there, and uh, Odin kind of comes and saves him and takes them back, and then basically says, you're banished. I'm banishing you. I'm sending you to Midgard, as it turns out. I'm sending you to Earth. Um, you're going to lose your power, um, and I'll drop, I'll, I'll send your hammer along with you, but you can't pick it up until you're worthy again he doesn't thor kind of misses that part but that's very clearly odin's plan here is that thor is going to have to learn some lessons and become worthy of his power before he can he can redeem it but that there's like multiple action um special effect scenes before we get back to that same scene of thor uh coming out of the aurora tornado thing and uh being discovered by natalie portman uh the aurora nado (laughs) <laughs> less lesser known yeah so it's it's just it's interesting structurally and if you're if you're like me and I'm, i'll lay my cards down on the table here if you're like me and think thor being on earth is fun 
and Thor being on Asgard is boring. It's really <laughs> frustrating to see Thor on Earth and then have the movie rewind for half an hour and have a whole bunch of uh, computer-generated uh, Asgardian versus ice monster fights uh, before we get him on Earth again. Yeah, the scenes with the Warriors 3 and the scenes where they go to like and have a big brawl on... Um, whatever the name of the, the ice Jotunheim. giant land, Jotunheim, 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 Jotunheim. 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 Um, are kind of dull in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I find, I mean, I, but the, the scene where he casts him out is terrific. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just, just, just for Anthony Hopkins, you know, yelling at him. <laughs> Anytime Anthony Hopkins yells at anybody, it's raise just delightful. Voice, yeah. Talk about, <laughs> about fun casting. Who's going to be, who's going to have the weight? Who's going to have the gravitas of Odin? Oh, we'll get Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. He yells at Thor in the first movie and then he yells at Loki in the second movie. And both those scenes just like melt yeah. me. I oh, just dad. <laughs> oh, dad. That's, that's a, ooh, burn. He's a tough dad. Tough dad. A moment, fellow warriors, for I must tell you about. A sponsor. I can't really do a whole ad read as Thor. I may not be able to do anything as Thor, but we can dream, right? Sponsor is Casper. Yay! Verily, Casper shall bring sleep unto you. I can't do it. It's a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They have three different models now. You may remember them when they had the one model. They've got three now. There's the original still, but they also have the Wave and the Essential, so they are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry, and you've got some choice they have a breathable design. It helps you sleep cool, regulates your body temperature throughout the night, and of course, you know the story. It's delivered to your door in a small box. So small you will wonder how it even happened. There's free shipping and free returns in the U.S. and Canada, and the best part is you can be sure of your purchase because the 100-night risk-free Sleep On It trial remains intact. Sleep on it for as much as 100 nights, and if you don't like it, you can get your money back. After all, you spend one third of your life sleeping. So, of course, you should be comfortable. I've been sleeping on a Casper mattress for a very long time now, a couple of years. I love it. We open the box. I, I don't even remember this far, far back. We open the box. It emerges. Woo, now it's the size of a mattress. Put it down there. My, I got rid of my old mattress, had the people haul it away. Um, it was like sleeping on a trampoline. It was like the cat, sit down on one side, eject the cat on the other side. doesn't happen anymore. It's good for the cat. It's good for us. Dog is not allowed on the bed, so it's not good for her. She doesn't care. Uh, very good mattress. Very happy with it. Um, I sleep on it every night. I was just away for a couple of weeks and my back hurt. And I was like, oh, I want to go back to my Casper mattress. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com slash Snell and using Snell as your code at checkout. That's my name. Casper.com slash Snell. Offer code Snell. $50 off your mattress purchase. Indeed, my friends. What a bargain. Terms and conditions apply. Now, thank you, Casper. We must go forward for... What voice am I doing it? Back to the incomparable now. Yeah, the, the, I agree that the Asgard scenes are kind of uh, a little more of a slog than the than the on Earth stuff, and it can it feels like play setting sometimes, and just like a little bit like I have to eat my vegetables before I get to like you know eating my dessert or whatever. Um, I, I do think it's it's beautiful, but yeah, it is it's tough too because it's like a little bit of a status quo, especially in that first movie. Is like we already know because of the fact that we've done this sort of non-linear storytelling, we already know he's gonna he's gonna get thrown out, so. You could probably have skipped a lot of that, but I, I understand all the reasons they're there, and I also understand the the reasons that they're not – they're definitely not the best parts of the movie. Well, I mean, there are structural reasons why you have to introduce the yes. various characters yeah, yeah. and things like that. But apart from that, there, I mean, there are two things about that 
the, the Asgard interlude before we get back to Thor falling to Earth that I really like. And one of them is I, I love him swinging his hammer around in, in you know around his wrist, so which is just like the comic book where you just you don't see the hammer anymore. It's just kind of this white blur before he lets go of it. I love that as someone who read the comic books when I was a kid. And then the other thing is that Loki. I had never seen Tom Hiddleston before this movie, and he was he, the way he played Loki was like a revelation. He, it's it is so good, and I don't know how much of it is him, his choices, how much of it is Brano, and how much of it is the writing, but the combination of those because he manipulates Thor into going to Jotunheim to do this, and he does it in a way that when and and this I, I think has to be Brano, where. Um, Nobody's looking at Loki. Loki doesn't smile evilly or do anything like that to give it away. He's still <laughs> yeah. playing it straight yeah. throughout all of that. You don't and know it was he's the very, villain till like an hour or two in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind you kind you get a creepy feeling off of him. Sure, right? right. And of course, he has that really dark hair, which is usually you know a, a bad sign. Mm. Um, but but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't smirk evilly. He doesn't he doesn't you know rub his hands together or anything like that after he's you know told a lie and gotten what he's wanted and and manipulated thor's vanity into going out to jotunheim he just doesn't give it away even to us when we're the only ones who can see it and i just i thought that was those were excellent choices by him brana whatever uh, it, it was just very well done, and I and so that's those are the parts of that interlude that I really like. And it sets it sets up for the ending, right? And where he, you know, it's a double cross sort of thing with him and the uh, the frost giants, right? Because you have to have that stuff at the beginning and understand what his his whole deal is, and and be led into that where you slowly start thinking, okay, this guy is, you know, you start realizing, oh, this guy is a trickster, he's a bad guy, and then at the end, it's like, well, he's he is. But he's not exactly what you're thinking. He's not just trying to like overthrow Asgard. He wants. He also still like wants to prove himself to his father. <laughs> he loves his father, and he wants to look good in his father's eyes. Yeah, and you also get the tease here of the blue hand um, that there's some, something else that's different about him, uh, whereas everybody else had been uh, burned by right, the touch. Which comes comes back later where it's, you're not my real dad, because it turns out that he's actually <laughs> was born a frost giant and then taken at that point that we saw um, you know, the, uh, in the flashback, he was taken and adopted and Odin's long game was to sort of use him as a bridge for, uh, peace with the frost giants eventually. Um, but that's all kind of out the window thanks to Dumble Thor and his, uh, incursion in, <laughs> into all of that. But that adds more to Loki's sort of like disaffectedness. Like you were never going to let me, not only is Thor the golden boy and you always loved Thor more than me, but now it's like, oh, but I'm not even your real kid. And, and there, you know, uh, the mom is, is like, you know, you, and actually, and even Odin is like, you are my son, right? They're, they're trying to be good about it, but he, it's, it's, and gives Loki a good reason to be, 
disaffected and bitter and you know and you get the sense like we've all we've all met people like this he's he's looking for a reason (laughs) this is a good one (laughs) well it it also comes across that like i thought about when uh, thor first walks in he's got that scene where he walks down the long aisle and he's like tossing his hammer yeah and like my note was like thor he's like the homecoming king right like and oh yeah you've got like this totally jock nerd dynamic kind of going on there and it really yeah it really reinforces all that well the worst character in the movie the, the, the character I hate the most in the movie is Kid Thor. In that, in, you know, <laughs> he's just awful. Yeah. You just want to smack that kid. Yeah, yeah but he's, he nails that character. Though. Oh, he but does. That is exactly he's who so Thor annoying. is. Oh, oh yeah. The, the kid actor is spectacular. Yeah, but uh, that but, char- but yeah, kid, that character kid, is kid Thor, the character. You just want to beat the play. crap out of him. You got one scene, kid. Really. Just act. <laughs> Make him hate you. Act a lot there. <laughs> grown up, grown up, Jake Lloyd, right? <laughs> so the, the, all of that, that that goes on and then you know that we come back with 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 asgard but i want to talk about earth stuff because um i want to talk about I, earth I, stuff. no no we're going to talk about earth stuff okay <laughs> thor uh ends up in new mexico and he's kind of lost his powers and he's had all of his kind of thor regalia stripped uh, by uh by odin and he's he's uh he's taken by jane foster and darcy and eric selvig to um the, like the, the hospital and then he gets out and they have, to, they have to strap him down and there's there's a basically there's a whole little kind of movie inside this movie that is it feels like was originally um more of the movie maybe um one of the things they're struggling with here is that in the comics like uh, Dr. Don Blake is like the secret identity of Thor. Thor is much more superhero-like. He's got a a doctor who's just a normal human with a cane, but when he taps his cane, he turns into the Thor. And um, they, they they don't do that here, which I think is just fine because that's kind of weird. But they do kind of you get you know, a little Easter egg. There are a couple nods the Donald Blake. to Don Donald Blake here. Um, but you know we've got the wacky science team, and Thor doesn't understand where he is, and they take him to the they take him to the diner, and he eats a whole <laughs> bunch of food, and then he throws a coffee mug down on the floor and says more, and they're like, don't throw the coffee mugs anymore. We'll just get me get you more coffee, and uh, you know he wants to find a horse at one point so he can ride to where his hammer is. And I just want to say, I love this part of the movie. I I really do love, in both of these movies, actually, I love almost everything that happens on Earth with the science team and with <laughs> Thor as a big fish out of water. I think it's hilarious. The only problem I have with it is the rest of the movie happens in space or Asgard or whatever. And I kind of just want him to be that wacky guy. Who's the fish out of water because that those moments when they're trying to like figure out who the heck this guy is and they think he's crazy. And Eric Selvig goes to the library and gets like a children's book about mythology to prove that this guy has completely lost it. And then he starts to believe it. It's like, I love all of that. It's it's there's just so much great stuff there. It's it's miracle on thirty four Thor Street. Mm. <laughs> Not thirty four streets in that town. See you later, everybody. It's too many streets for Good that night. town. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Miracle on the only street in this very small New Mexico town, <laughs> which is then destroyed by a monster. But you know what can you do? Anyway, I, I just I think that's how it's Hemsworth at his best. Uh, the science team stuff is great. They have all their stuff taken away by Shield at one point, which is really funny. You know, he does ask for a horse. 
um, so that he can ride. Like just all of it is is good. And then and then of course in the end, what happens is that the the monster that is law of uh, economy of of monsters basically in this movie <laughs> that's guarding the vault is sent by Loki to kill Thor on Earth, and he doesn't have any powers, but he acts heroically. Che- Chekhov's destroyer. It is Chekhov's destroyer. If you see it hanging in a vault in Asgard, it's going to be fired by the end of the movie. <laughs> the destroyer design is cool. I have to say, I, I really like that as a, a creature. I like the the whole look of it, and yeah. especially the scene the scene where Sif stabs yes. it, like impales it, and mm-hmm. then it just like rotates around. around. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a golem yeah, kind of. You know, and it's, but it's it's very like right out of the comic book too. So I like all of that. I think I think all of the Earth stuff is fun. Um, although I do have uh, in my notes here, uh, I do have a note about the shield facility that is that goes up around the hammer. So the we hammer go trail. He goes to the yeah. He goes to the the where the hammer has 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 <laughs> needlessly confusing shield facility. <laughs> Hawkeye is there. Agent Coulson is there. Shield has constructed a facility involving a whole bunch of like frames and then like plastic sheeting in like a a maze around the hammer. Right. I took I took that as a callback to uh, ET. Okay, mm. but here's the, here's the yeah. thing. There's a whole bunch of like tube and stuff like, and they were I don't know. I I felt like they. They were playing like I. I immediately flash back to that. When I, I first I've seen saw like that. my. F- one of my friends has like their kid has one of those like extendable tunnel things. Sure. <laughs> it kind of looks like a yeah, big version yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like temporary yeah. and it's like they're trying to keep, you know, keep it clean or whatever it is. Um, and that's fine. And I'm like, all right, this is a little bit weird, but I'll go with it. Um, but what's funny is Thor. So Thor goes with Natalie Portman and sorry, I'm mixing names and actors and characters, but whatever. Jane. Jane stays there. He gives her his jacket because he's going to basically call down the rain and thunder, which I guess he still has the power to do, or it's just an incredible coincidence. But one of those things happens there's a rainstorm he he beats up a bunch of people and breaks into this facility that sprung up around this thing and he keeps having to fight people and it's very there's a lot of action shows that even without all of his mighty powers thor is a great warrior and then at one point he's almost at where the hammer is and he gets in a fight with a big guy and they fight so hard that they they get knocked out of the plastic thing they just rip the plastic and are out in the mud and then they fight and then thor goes back in and gets the hammer at which point i think to my Myself, why did you not you can see the hammer through the plastic sheeting why did you not just walk up to the pa- plastic sheeting rip it off walk to the hammer why did you go through like eight different what, fights what is to get this there? plastic that you it just it seems really impressive it's like it's just plastic sheeting you could just walk through it although this is this is thor so <laughs> He's the, the, guy likes, okay. the guy likes to brawl Okay, that's... Uh, and he's not the smartest guy. <laughs> he's not necessarily the smartest guy. Well, they don't have plastic sheeting in Asgard. He probably thought it was magical and <laughs> yeah. impenetrable Maybe he's a rules until follower. he threw a guy through it. He's like, I cannot cross there. It says police line, do not cross. And so I yes. must not cross. <laughs> FYI, and, and I like that 10 minutes later, his hair is still perfectly quaffed. Yeah, sure, of course it is. <laughs> There's a lot of shampoo. He's a god, a lot of shampoo. Dan, he's a god. He's not like us. Anyway, it was just a funny moment of like, but wait, it's all just plastic. Why did you go around the backside? You could just push push right through. Just tear tear that little square open and get your hammer back. But he he doesn't get his hammer back, by the way, because he's not worthy. 
you yeah. see. Like uh, Wayne and Garth, for Coulson he's not there. It's a nice moment for Coulson. Yeah. yeah. He's, 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 like, like, no, he's like, no. Because Hawkeye's like, what, I, you want I me to take this guy out? Here. I'm kind of rooting for this guy now. There's, yeah. There's also, a, yeah, also for Hawkeye. I mean, I think I, I think I liked, I think that was my peak like of yes. Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye is totally unnecessary in this movie. He's literally there to just forward promote the Avengers. But it is a funny moment where he's like, you want me to shoot this guy? Because I'm really kind of starting to root for him as he beats up all the shield agents. And Coulson's like, no, no, no. I want to see where this goes. And then you know Thor can't pick up the hammer and just is reduced to tears and he's blur- he's like no I can't and then she- Coulson's like all right take him it's like that's it I've seen enough he's, he's disappointed off. I like the post scene after that not only with the Coulson talking to him and trying to interrogate him like he's just like some dude like yeah. a mercenary right but I also love one of my favorite shots in this movie is the scene where Coulson walks out of the room slides mm-hmm. the door closed and then Loki's there in yeah. his nice green suit in, in the suit. reflection yeah. and it's just a nice little like there's a couple nice little shots here yeah. and there in this Shiny movie green that suit. I really enjoy mm-hmm. I love I love his green I love the fact that you know we just stick with the color palette and he's like oh I'm on earth even though I'm invisible I'm still gonna blend in <laughs> because I'm Loki <laughs> sure. and I have style of course he's got standards too he's got standards so um Late in the movie, um, is it late in the movie that, that um, there's a um, Thor? Um, oh yeah, Thor gets gets attacked by the destroyer like toward the end of the movie, and the and this is the moment where he becomes worthy, and so he's knocked out and he's on the ground, and he basically has this like death scene with Jane over him, and then of course everything kind of rumbles and the the hammer flies to him and he picks it up and now he's Thor again, yay, and he saves the day and it, it's all great, right? And this was one of those moments that I did not unearth that I did not like because I thought, okay, movie, <laughs> it's called Thor. There's going to be an Avengers movie. Thor's not going to die here. Why do we have the dumb fake death scene that's in like every movie where it's like, oh no, he's dead. But wait, he's not dead. It's because like, that's how he oh. shows how he's worthy. He's willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah, but does he have to die? Could he just not be horribly wounded? He sacrifices. I mean, the way, it's also the way he sacrifices himself. He sacrifices himself by not fighting. He sacrifices himself by going up and just saying, you know what? Giving just, up his life. Just yeah. take me. You know, like, I don't know what happened. He talked he talks he goes and talks to his brother he has a converse tries to have a conversation with his brother who's you know kind of a jerk and so it doesn't work but but um he he handles it a different way than like going in and smash i just don't like the the natalie portman kind of weepy of like thor no oh no yeah i mean sure i would have i I don't know (laughs) that that was like really come on let's just let's move on to the part where he gets his hammer back because you know it's coming also there's a line in here at one point where uh when he returns with his thor powers where there's like a a shot like dollying in toward natalie portman's face as she says oh my (laughs) god that i just wrote down that is terrible <laughs> yeah it's just that's yeah, pretty terrible. badly written badly executed badly i so like i did natalie portman issue those lines under protest it was not in the moment under, in the moment at the time i thought it was fun, mm, but. but i do enjoy when late but at, i was a lot younger then toward the end mm-hmm, toward the end of the movie when uh, thor uh is talking to colson because uh they have that whole thing of uh, like you were on the same side and he refers to him as son of cole Made me so, laugh. Well, that that, that in the scene earlier where uh, the destroyer first shows up and somebody goes, is that one of Starks? I don't know. Guy never tells me anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clark Gregg. Good for Clark Gregg. Yeah. I would like to go back a little a little bit to to, to uh, the Hammer Crater because yes. I love the scene where, where all the locals, locals are coming around and trying to pick it uh, up, you know, lift the hammer and yeah. all the big guys around the town is doing that and the song is playing in the background. And, and they're tailgating. And 
and there's a guy barbecuing yeah. and stuff that's <laughs> spectacular. And of course, then we get one of my certainly top five, if not higher, Stanley appearances as the guy who drives <laughs> who drives the truck and has the back of the truck blow off the back as he's trying to pull it out. And you know, and he says, "Did it work?" It's just it's it's not quite as good as uh, um, uh, delivery for Tony Stank. Uh, I don't think it's quite as good as Stanley as the Watcher uh, yeah. in the second Guardians movie. But it is still up till this point. I think this was this was clearly the best yeah. Stanley appearance, and was you know the best Stanley appearance for quite a while. I thought. Yeah. The truck shows up again in a back shot when they're sitting in the diner, too. He drives by, and I'm like, why? Yes. It's so weird that they show the truck again. It's not yes. relevant at all. It's <laughs> just they had that truck, and it's like, oh, he We got could- that truck with the back ripped off. Must Were they going to do a Pixar, and that truck was going to show up in every movie? <laughs> the, um, the, I, I like the the realism of that. Like, they don't know what they've got, and so they're all there, and then finally the government comes and, and ruins their fun, but they're ruins all out the there party. having yes. a good time. Um, I will note the the first shot we see of it, where there's basically like... Uh, uh, the owner of the land, presumably in his old beat up pickup truck. And he goes out there and gets out of his car and tries to pick it up and is like, huh? Um, notable because that, uh, that, that guy is, uh, shares a story credit on this movie. That's J. Michael Straczynski, who also created Babylon five oh, and sensei oh, <laughs> and wrote a whole run of Thor comics. He is, he is the co-story uh, credit in this, not the screenplay credit. And they put him in the movie. So if, if you think that looks like the same guy who, uh, turns off the lights in the last episode of babylon 5 yep it's that guy so it's kind of a funny weird cameo from from uh like who's putting j michael straczynski in a movie but the answer is (laughs) kenneth branagh i guess i don't know weird marvel trivia from this movie is that uh i think volstag the guy who kind of looks like uh knockoff gimli uh is (laughs) ray stevenson who played the punisher in one of the punisher movies oh that's right there's your weird marvel synergy interesting i like i this time more than the last time I noticed how much I like Fandral, who is like, uh, he's a little bit like, uh, um, the, Carrie Elwes. like Carrie Elwes in the, the princess <laughs> yes. party. He's like, ha ha, yes. swashbuckling fun. Right. And I'm like, right. yeah, that's good. I like that guy. <laughs> I like, we got to yeah. have one of those guys in there. Sure. Yeah, they re, they recast him too. Between they did. The movies one and two. Yeah. They yeah. ended up with Jimmy Fallon in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. That, not, not, not as much. I, I, I think maybe I liked him better in the first one. Um, and, uh, we should mention, cause we, I don't think we mentioned her, Jamie Alexander Sif, who is, who I, I, I think is, fun in the first movie and kind of makes me uncomfortable in the second movie because there's this whole like uh parents are pressuring like there's this whole like you should mm-hmm. probably marry sif and it gets all kind of weird and awkward and he's like but mom i love the girl on earth and they're, like, they're, they're racist they against humans yeah and they don't even they don't even really commit to it either is the thing it's no. kind of offhandedly like oh maybe you should do that and then like jane foster shows up and they're all like yeah it's fine and and there's a shot where she gives kind of a meaningful look at thor like oh if only and i thought no nah, you know sif doesn't need to do that like that that i felt like it wasn't it wasn't good for for her character do we have to make the one yeah. woman warrior pine for thor on top of everything mm-hmm. else it's like no we don't mm-hmm. we, you don't need to do that it's it's a weird choice because it's it's unnecessary in in the rest of the plot like nothing hinges upon that whatsoever there is no development with that really right. like and no, yeah nothing nothing ever comes nothing of comes it. of it yeah so it's it's a bizarre narrative cul-de-sac that they go into yeah. and i agree with jason it's 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 unworthy of her <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I do wonder if they had more written about Probably. some sort of rivalry with, between Sif and Jane, and it and they just decided, no, let's not do it. And but these little bits were still left for us to wonder about. There's a scene where Sif has to escort her, and you yes. get like there's like a weird look mm-hmm. too, right? There's, but there's again, some tension. Yeah, something something got cut. So there is, in in fact, uh, Jamie Alexander who plays Sif, um, she. Uh, had a scene uh, basically she was injured during shooting um, and slipped right. a disc and, yeah, right. and chipped 11 vertebrae and knocked her left shoulder out of place and tore <laughs> a muscle on her right side and was out of filming for a month so it's entirely possible that there was a bunch of stuff with Sif that they just couldn't shoot thanks thanks destroyer yeah I hope Marvel had some nice nice uh, insurance, insurance she, on the she dark got to world. show up in a uh, she got Party to show up in an episode a- of agents, agents of shield, shield yeah that's, that's, true. That's, that's a real <laughs> rice <Rice-a-roni> consolation prize <laughs> she got paid i'm sure <laughs> so we've talked we've talked about thor um before we move on to the dark world just like a quick uh, whirl around about like feelings about thor as a movie having watched it again what do you think john what do you think i i i've always loved this movie i think it's i think it's great i think it's like in the top certainly the top quarter of my of my marvel <laughs> collection of movies and i mean and, and at the time there was this like you know it's hard to think of now but like there was always this people would say oh you can't do thor and like you can't do wonder woman you can't do any of these movies that are like have some sort of uh, mythological element to them because no one will believe any of this stuff and it turns out that's that was complete baloney because both of those movies were actually quite good so um i i think it's think it's great joe i find this movie to be kind of mediocre um i (laughs) (laughs) so sorry john but uh i i I like uh I, i like things about it and i like uh some of the concepts and ideas and things i can see the writers and kenneth brenner were trying to go for and things that the actors were doing but for some reason in its full complete package as a movie uh it's not completely gelling together for me although it's, i like this more than i like thor 2 uh which we will get to but uh I, this is this is certainly uh a, something to build off of for the thor series as well as for avengers and it gives us uh very important building blocks to go off of so i don't think all of the ideas here were flawed doc what do you think well, I'm on Team Moltz. I, I really <laughs> like this movie. I mean, this is, I, I think this is, this is an excellent movie. This is, uh, you know, it's one of those early movies that really established the, the Marvel franchise. I think it's unfortunate that the Natalie Portman stuff is underwritten. They, you know, they couldn't have Jane Foster be like Jane Foster in the sixties. That would be wrong, but they didn't really know how to, do it right. And I think that's unfortunate, but everything else about this movie, I like the Asgard. I like the Asgardians. I like the warriors three and Sif. I like Odin. I like Frigga. I like Hemsworth was spectacular. As I said, uh, Hiddleston was a revelation to me. I really liked all. And, and of course, Kat Dennings, it it was just a, a, a really enjoyable movie that you can see again and again if you are interested in seeing movies again and again and it just it holds up on repeated viewings and dan uh, i'm gonna go team molson drang on this one uh i had not seen this movie in many years uh and so it's interesting always to go back as we did with the iron man and watch stuff that's very early on in the marvel franchise because they haven't 
it's like it's a little uneven like they haven't quite got the formula down because later later movies really they have it down to a science yeah. at that point yeah. and so they're well, still maybe trying to too like, much <laughs> yeah and and there's that but like you know when you make 20 movies like that's that's something you're shooting for i guess um but i i think this does really hold up it's it, despite its unevenness and despite the 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 parts of it that are are less than great it's still really good. It's a fun movie. It's a movie that I kind of felt like I, you know, I just sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh, great performances, despite the underwriting of Natalie Portman's character. I mean, I'm on record. I love Natalie Portman. I'll watch uh-huh. her in anything. I want to read the phone book. Come on. <laughs> um, and, you know, she does she does a game job with what she's given here, and what she's given here is not much. Yeah. Uh, also, wanted to throw in Patrick Doyle's score is really good, and then they kind <laughs> of abandoned it in the second movie, although the second movie has a decent score that's a lot more Marvel-y. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's a really... But they Patrick brought Doyle's it back in the really third nice. one a bit. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. the reason why the second one is a lot more Marvel-y is because Brian Tyler, who is basically the spackle of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, True. I, 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 I much prefer the Patrick Doyle stuff. I, uh, I agree. His character here in yeah. Flair. There, there's, yeah. some, there's some good, catchy bits in the Dark World score, but the Patrick Doyle yeah. score is definitely his Henry a little the Fifth more. score is amazing. Yes, you know, that's I mean, a fantastic just, score. Just, yeah. So, yeah, so... So thumbs up on that. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm overall, I like it. Can, can I make one comment that I kind of forgot to like, yeah, draw sure. out is, is just, is just, um, Tom Hiddleston's delivery at the very, you know, toward the very end of like, you know, where he's, Thor says, this is madness. And he's like, is it, is it? And like, it's, you get the sense that he doesn't even know. Like he's so far gone, he doesn't know if he's like completely crazy or, or if he's making utter sense. And it's just, I think it's so great. Other moments that you could you could have him yell, "This is Asgard," <laughs> uh, or when when Natalie Portman first wakes um, Chris Hemsworth up. My first thought was, "How is Thor's first line not Are you an angel?'" <laughs> oh no, no, no! Go to your room, Dan. So, um, I in my house, I am strangely in the position of being a Thor defender because my wife doesn't like this movie at all. And I like it more than her, but I'm basically Team Joe. I think this is fine. I don't love it. I love the stuff on Earth. And the Asgard stuff, it looks good, but so many of the action scenes in Asgard, they just kind of leave me cold. I, I'm just kind of bored by it. So when they when they get off of Earth, I am much less interested in this. But I love the stuff on Earth. And that for, to me, that redeems it enough to say that I like this movie, but I don't think it's one of Marvel's best. So, um, But I like this movie, which is why now we have to talk about Thor, <laughs> The Dark World, from 2013. Which is the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> directed by wonder what wonder beloved wonder woman director patty jenkins oh no wait she quit uh directed by alan taylor who's directed some game of thrones episodes anyway the dark world is a movie in which christopher eccleston tv's former doctor who uh plays uh what is it, malakith i believe the literal translation is bad bad keith yeah uh-huh bad keith he's the worst <laughs> of the keiths worst of all possible keiths a dark elf they at the origin of the universe uh, or something got this power that got taken away from them. One of the problems I have, it's a minor problem with this movie, is that the movie doesn't seem to understand how long a long time is. So, like, the universe rotates, we are told at one point, by, I think, Eric Selvig, after he's gotten out of the uh, the mental institution. The universe rotates on a 5,000-year cycle, 
which doesn't make any sense. And then all the worlds align, and so this all happened five thousand years ago, apparently. <laughs> well, when it was well, wait until he draws dad. the map. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, that's right, right, and it's the shape of a tree. It's all great. Um, this all happened five thousand years ago, but like the universe is billions of years old. So like, how could the things from before the beginning of the universe? And then it just, I'm just saying. And actually, after I thought about it, I thought, well, they're kind of leaning into that mythology thing where like, oh, you humans, you don't understand time. Well, it's let's just say five thousand years. That's long enough for you. Like, I, I almost want it that way. Like all religions kind of talk about the past in terms of a few thousand years and not in terms of billions of years like science. So I kind of like that the the mythology, the, the the gods would would use those kinds of terms. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the point is there's a thingy that they took from the elves, kind of like in the first movie where they took the power source away from the frost giants. Asgard are like the parents of the whole realm. They're like, no, no, you can't play with that. That's dangerous. Yeah, so We're they buried it somewhere and uh, and and uh, they defeated them, but the, the Malekith has been waiting for it to be rediscovered, and guess who stumbles into it? Jane Foster <laughs> finds it while investigating anomalies like she does this time in London. She's sort of possessed by the power, although it doesn't really do anything to her other than like make her feel kind of i think she's got like a stomach ache or something and this is mm-hmm. one of those things like we were talking earlier about how uh her astrophysics uh knowledge is not on display um this she also has one of the most powerful infinity whatever is in the universe inside of her coursing through her veins and uh nothing happens doesn't because explode of that. Yeah, yeah in in watching it again that that jumped out like as oh they <laughs> that really doesn't work the way they went later yeah i don't think they had figured it out yet in some ways yeah she also has like no ability or any any influence or joe she can stare at a menu sea bass <laughs> no but i mean like i mean well as far as like having the the power that power in her i mean she mm-hmm. gets she gets like when any, anybody tries to touch her she they get blown away yeah mm-hmm. that's I it mean, so that happens but it's not she and she can't and I can, like she can't control it i mean it's no you know, and then i think that makes sense but then she becomes this thing that everybody just sorts of sort of a fights over yeah. and shuffles around for the yes. rest of the movie. Yes, yeah. she's just an object, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially it stuck out to me in the scene later on when they're on uh, the in the dark world and I realized like when Loki is like they're putting on their little shroud to trick Malekith, she doesn't have a line like for that entire fight. Like I don't think she says a single thing. She's like a trophy. It's like the comics in the 60s. It's it's really it's really weird that they did this a second time uh, with her. Mhm. Uh and this movie, the thing about this movie that makes that you start off knowing this is not going to be as good a movie as the first one, especially when you see them basically back to back, as I almost did. I mean, it was one day after another uh, a few days ago, is this movie kind of does the same thing yeah. as the first one where you've got uh, Odin telling this story yeah. and doing a big exposition of things, except – you don't have that little piece at the front that sort of says, well, more interesting things are going to, are going to be coming <laughs> later on. Hang in there. Yeah, this is much more ineptly executed than the first film. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and, in particular, and right off the bat. <laughs> I don't think there's any question. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking right. of someone who still likes this movie, there's no question it's much more ineptly <laughs> executed. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird choices up front, too, with the fighting and explaining. Not only do we have the ancient past, like Lord of the Rings style, uh-huh. where Odin's dad is going over and, Boar, and dealing with all the dark the way, elves. Boar. He was the life that's of the mm-hmm. party, Boar. <laughs> Just to be well, clear, that is actually Odin's father in Norse I mythology, know, I so know. That's, that's legit, you know. <laughs> also played by briefly i didn't even recognize him tony yeah. curran yeah. like oh, right i was like what that was tony curran yep. yeah mm-hmm. um and then we go to a modern day fight with thor and all the warriors which has some cool aspects but is also weird because it's like it's disjointed right like we had like the old fighting now we have the new fighting there's just a lot of stuff up front that feels like we're gonna front load a bunch of action mm-hmm. and really suck you in here and it's like that was not necessarily what people loved about the first movie <laughs> yeah and it's even you you can even see it too in the the video game cutscene quality of it because it's it's actually done by blur studios uh who who does a lot of video game cutscenes and there's only three actors that are actually in the entire opening thing the guy who plays boar uh christopher eccleston and the guy who plays curse um they're uh, that's it everything everything else you see there is computer generated even the helmet on top of boar's head is computer generated <laughs> yeah it kind of shows are, are you telling us joe that you prefer practical effects <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer actors you may be, you may be watching the wrong the actors movies. are the most practical of all effects now so now yeah. i am on the record as saying that i don't think I, I don't like this movie but i will say um what i find puzzling about it is that it does hew so closely to the structure of the first movie that that I just I'm baffled about why they didn't try to do something different. It is literally like we have a flashback. Odin tells us about the past. The Asgardians fought an ancient enemy. They won, but they left an important relic behind that the ancient enemy is going to find again. And then we go to Earth, and there's some shenanigans on Earth where Thor, you know, Thor will finally show up after having, you know, he's keying off of something that happened to him in Asgard, and now he is going to show up on Earth, and we're going to deal with with it for a while. And then there's going to end up being a transfer to, you know, to Asgard or to space or to whatever. And then there will be lots and lots of action sequences. It's in that in that way. It's the same movie. The difference is that there's a lot less of the Earth fish out of water Thor stuff. And there's a lot more of the giant fight Mm -hmm. scenes with this this movie. So so. I don't like the fight scenes in this movie. I don't like the sound design of this movie. It's loud and obnoxious. It's just a lot of stuff blowing up. I watch this, and and this is my, my this was my feeling the first time I saw it, and watching it a second time, I feel the same way. Like I I watch this movie, and I think this is why. This is what people see who don't get these superhero movies. Is they're like it's just noisy and things blow up and there's nothing to it. But I like these movies in general, but this one that's exactly what it feels like to me. I other than those things on Earth, this feels essentially like a Transformers movie to me. It's just loud and there's lots of things blowing I up. Don't, I don't I think there are se- I think there are several standout moments that that are run counter that are So argument. now that I've said that that I mean like and, and I'm really relieved to say or I'm or maybe I'm sad to report, <laughs> I was kind of hoping I would like it better i liked it no better the second time i i find very little redeeming in this but john tell me what's good about thor the dark world because i don't uh, well, see I, it I mean, you want to talk i mean just specifically talking focusing on the fight scenes for now um i think the the fight scene with frigga and malekith is great um like seeing her 
like ba- she basically beats him and the only reason that she gets killed is because that, that he's got a secret curse guy there the yeah. curse the I, curse thing shows up i agree it is um, what a way uh what a way for her to go right what a way for that character to go out and as being defeated is that she she renee russo gives gives her all in uh in uh, taking on uh christopher eccleston i agree it's a, it's a great looking yeah the, the choreography there yes, is really i think it's i think really it's very nice. well i think it's very well choreo- choreographed i also think that the final the whole final sequence um there's a lot of yes there is a lot of like over loud and over like obnoxious stuff going on there but there's also a nice amount of slapstick thrown in there that i think makes it work and i also just like i think that whole scene i mean that whole business where the the portals are open it's like a, it's like a french farce where there are doors opening and closing <laughs> and they're going into like you don't know exactly what's going to happen and it's just like oh this other thing happened and 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 i find that fun i find like the crazy things that happen when those portals open actually to be kind of fun and i think that works that last fight i think is is excellent i really yeah. enjoyed the portals it does because it undercuts so many great moments the moment where thor lines up his shot is like yes. let's throw the hammer at this guy <laughs> it just disappears and, and even malakate's like Mjolnir. whoa whoa that was Mjolnir is like constantly trying to find thor just oh, he goes, like he a goes dog just like, he like oh space. he's here no he's like way off in space i have to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then like every time it's about to catch up with them, you know the part where he and Malakith like fall down the skyscraper and yeah, they, the they, window. Yeah, they slide, they like, slide I'm, across the glass, and it's like it's, it's ridiculous. It's and th- those moments are the moments that work well. I agree that as a whole, this movie feels more disjointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the there are lots of moments that I think work really well, and that yeah, that doesn't always that's not always enough to make a good movie, but yeah. it's enough that it kept me enjoying it and engaged throughout it i mean even even the comedy stuff like poor chris o'dowd at the beginning you know getting <laughs> at the date yeah. with natalie portman it's yeah. funny that's on it's earth funny I, i'll co-sign with that because yeah. that happens on earth all the stuff with selvig being <laughs> naked at stonehenge and then locked yeah, yeah. up and also explaining funny. physics to the people in the in the insane asylum and then he gets out and he's working and he hasn't doesn't have any pants on when thor comes over a lot all of the great. asgard scenes are weak some of them aren't bad i do like the the plan as they do the prison break essentially and get loki out yes. plus he gives the opportunity to bring in the chris evans cameo which right. is great um right. and i i think that that some of that works well but i agree most of the good stuff here is on earth but there's there is there are good bits here and there um and i i enjoy even the beginning part with like the kids showing them the the portal where you can drop the soda yeah. cans in and so then they find the fun. cave later on that has the keys <laughs> why did you <laughs> throw the, the keys the car in keys. <laughs> and of course the car is trashed and of course the car is trashed and a whole bunch of things where they're like you know the bumper comes through like the the bifrost <laughs> at one point and heimdall's just like whoa all right there we go like if, if i had to target where the movie lost me i think it is uh malekith's um assault on asgard where mm. there's just it, mm-hmm. it is kind of relentless just explosions and 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 a spaceship mm-hmm. spaceships coming in and explosions and I sh- I like shut down there's a, there's a lot there and he is also let's be let's be very he is like in the bottom he is like the very bottom I mean like, I don't know if he's like the bottom of my list literally but he's very close to the bottom of my list villains. of uh, Marvel yeah. not villains. not yeah, an interesting I, villain I I will terrible. say this and I I may t- I may mention this in our Slack beforehand the version of this movie I watched had no subtitles for the Dark Elves <laughs> I think that might be better. I was like, oh man, I got, I got no idea what's going on here. I can basically put it together. In the comic book, he's very, he's very cutting and funny. 
Like he's a he's yes. sort of yeah he's an interesting you know oh like deviously jovial. That would have been better. That would have been so much better. So dry and awful. And I think it's tough because you also have Loki, right? Like as Joe pointed yeah, out, yeah, exactly. The last and time. I think they did that on purpose because they had Loki. Yeah, Loki overshadows it because he's a more interesting character. And yeah. so, supposedly, in one of the many rewrites, uh, some of the the importance was shifted from Malekith to uh, Loki because everybody realized how much people enjoy watching tom hiddleston in these mm-hmm. movies yeah. so he got more stuff to do which is and good. malekith got less which is good yeah <laughs> yep. yeah yep. so good when choice. i saw this movie in the theater back when it first came out i was i was in jason's camp on this i mean i didn't really hate it as much as he does but i especially did not like the last scene where everybody's jumping around and going from world to world i didn't think it was coherent i didn't i didn't like it at all when I when I saw it more recently, and I have not seen it in the intervening years because it left a bad taste in my mouth. But when I saw it a couple of days ago, that's the scene there at the end. It held up. It was okay. I understood it. I don't know why I didn't understand it. Whatever, ten, however many years ago it was, but um, it it made sense to me this time. And it wasn't because I'd seen it before, because I pretty much blocked it out of my head. <laughs> other than the fact that oh, wasn't there a lot of jumping around? I still don't understand why they always seem to be in England whenever they're in whenever they're on Midgard. But Tax whatever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, no, they paid I, a lot for that Greenwich Greenwich yeah. Observatory rights to shoot. This there. is pre Brexit. It was pre Brexit. So the tax so. credits move. On a 5,000-year cycle, the tax credits move around yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why the first movie was in New Mexico, and there's a reason why this one's in London. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, but see, New Mexico, there you could come up with an internal sense for the for New Mexico because you got – for New Mexico because you have clear skies. But uh, I don't know. But I did, I did like uh, Malachi's ship coming in off the Thames and just kind of – Yeah, crushing. Grinding, uh, you know, driving its way through on, on the university campus there. Uh, I, I thought that was nice. Um, obviously, we, we 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 talked about Kat Dennings before in the context of the yeah. other movie. Uh, she saves a lot of this yes. movie. Yes, uh, with mm-hmm. her and the intern Ian, and <laughs> and the kiss scene. <laughs> the kiss scenes is, are great. Yep, is so well done oh my God, because you know they're going for it, and you know they're going to make fun of that. You know the two people thrown together in chaos and suddenly come to a kiss, but they don't do it. They have them disappear and then do it later um, <laughs> and when they, when they show up in front of Jane. I, it's that's very well done. Yeah. I like that. I think a lot of the design in here, I really dig from the first moment where you have the aliens that have like rocket launchers. It's weird, but it continues that weird space sci-fi aesthetic. I dig that. I like the grenades that the elves have, like that, like suck people into weird, yeah, like, crush like them cool. up. It's yeah. a cool effect. I yeah. like the, I like the look of the elves who kind of look like, yeah, they kind of look like weird Doctor Who villain rejects, but they're mm-hmm. kind of great. I love the mimes. masks. They're they look creepy. like mimes. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of design stuff that's in here that I I like, and again, it's parts of it, and it doesn't necessarily all you know combine to make something that that works overall. But there's there's enough little flashes in here that kind of keep me going from one moment to the next that that just you know that let land all right what else uh what else should i know about why uh 
the dark world's okay there's legitimately good lines in here too like you told your dad about me that's a good line yes yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I agree I, I love the scene where they get they they get back into london they get in the car and thor said so who's richard and he just goes really, <laughs> really? right now i, I love it You've especially because thor two has years. to get into the volvo right like yeah and the, and the windshield like, is so smashed awkward. is smashed out right but and, and yeah. she's trying to start the car and that's when he asks pretty much all of the comedy in this movie lands i agree it's the scenes where it tries to be more earnest that i think it, it tends to fall down and that but for me like the the parts i remember are the the comedy and the like the lines right like those the dialogue is for the most part well done excepting the dark elves um the story is a little weird as you point out like it does feel like a retread and and there's definitely some weakness especially with the the whole thing with the dark elves being subtitled makes me think of the complaints about the klingons and discovery Discovery. oh yeah yeah yeah, and it's like i definitely get that here i definitely it's a long time dr drang mentioned um the that it's got that uh, narration at the beginning very lord of the rings and let's take you into prehistory and explain honestly the first time i watched this movie that's where it lost me and then it never got me back is that it's so much narration and it's like one ridiculous premise on top of another well we're gods but there are these elves that were dark but the, remember there's the before the universe and there's these things because they have to tie in like with the infinity stones and all of that like so they try to put all of that together and then yeah. and, and they set that all up and not only have I seen it before in a Thor movie, but that was a better version of it. And and it really wore me down of like, how much of this are you trying to sell me at the top of your movie? When 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 I'm trying to be like, show me what you got movie. And the answer is what we have is a long narration about our weird kind of science fiction fantasy it's like science fiction but with elves but they're dark but they're like and 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 it never really got me back when they get finally get to earth it's a respite but i I already felt like i i think what i accepted in the first movie as being this weird mixture of mythology and science fiction in the second movie it just it never clicked for me it always felt like it was trying too hard it was going back to the same well one too many times i just it maybe there was a different way to do it to explain who these these enemies were rather than calling them elves and having them be like complicated about ancestors fighting at the dawn of history um because it did give me that lengthy lord of the rings narration and and then yeah. and then where where more i kind of am broken so i i don't ever i should go back and watch that last um scene with the portals fresh without having seen the rest of the movie because i think in the fight for asgard i just stopped paying attention to the movie because it completely loses me at that point because i'm so not invested in more and more and more things in asgard blowing up by the way asgard for a paradise stuff blows up a lot in asgard and watching this time i kept thinking well if you're odin you're sitting there going well you know one of these days ragnarok's gonna happen so you just gotta be prepared and live life to the fullest in the meantime because it's all gonna go eventually um which it does spoilers in thor ragnarok which is all about that but i think all the i mean like i think all the scenes with loki in asgard are are really pretty good i think the scene where he gets dragged in front of uh odin at the beginning is good i mean and like i said you know where he yells at him and you know it says your birthright was to die um is i mean oh my god that stern dad kills me odin is the sternest of dads let's just say (laughs) but but also the scenes with him and his Mm. mother with him and frigga i mean where she's you know she's like 
virtually visiting him in his cell and mm-hmm. you know it's like and then you well, realize and, she's not really and, there and the reaction to, to her death when and the he reaction to her death which Thor i think is kind of weird because it, like does he scene. does he really have like telekinesis powers have we actually seen that before or do we ever see that ever again but okay <laughs> i think at the time it works so well that i'm gonna let go and particularly the scene after that where thor shows up to get him and he's all polished and everything yes. and then thor sees right through it and it's mm-hmm. like he's a wreck right like right, i I, right. I like he's that destroyed, aspect of yeah. it a lot yeah, I think I think you guys are right. I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, when you mention good things that are in this movie, I don't think this movie is just unremittingly bad because there are lots of good things in it. I think the problem is that for me, um, there there are too few of them between all the action stuff and the action stuff largely doesn't work for me but i'm glad i mean it's good to say it this way that there there are even even if you even if you don't like the movie like me there are absolutely a bunch of things in this movie that are good it's it's true it just is not enough for me to win the day by at all (laughs) but it but there is good stuff to your point about the dark elf thing what, what i think is interesting about that is like and maybe the fact that like i i spent you know i read a bunch of norse mythology when i was younger like kind of hooked in it made it like a cheat sheet in some ways like i knew about the dark elves like yes they take different liberties and whatever but like they are mythological like characters in the norse mythology but it it does feel like because we in some ways we went back to that well with the like the 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 mythological creatures i think it is harder to sell the second time and in some ways it would have worked a lot better if they'd just gone a totally Mm -hmm. different direction a la thor ragnarok where it's like exactly space and deal with aliens instead like i totally agree with you that's that's a hard thing mm -hmm. to sell twice i don't necessarily have a problem with them being dark elves that's fine i don't have a problem with uh mythology level okay fine whatever the problem is i didn't care about anything they were doing because nothing they were doing made any sense there was no why for any of this stuff it's like we're gonna take everything and destroy it at the convergence with the ether and then rule over yeah. darkness again it's like there's yeah. nothing there for us as an cartoon, audience cartoon to, villainy nihilism yeah. well bad yeah. bad cartoon villainy <laughs> yeah. just like unexplained and, and it, it exists just yes. to be an enemy to, to jason's point when you get when you get thrown out of a movie because something jarring happens to you or it just kind of takes away your suspension of disbelief it it is sometimes hard to get back yeah. in yeah and i and i uh i was thrown out in that first scene too and especially when uh boar uh as jason says the ap- the aptly named Bohr, <laughs> um, d- defeats the the dark elves and has and has the the ether and well, we must destroy it. Oh no! I, it cannot be destroyed. It's too powerful. We must bear. It is such a Lord of the Rings thing mm. that you that you're say, you're like Jane in the car. Really, <laughs> really? That's what you're going to do here? Come on! Don't do that. Do you know? Do something. Don't do that. Like, literally, there's another box full of power that they that the Asgardians have taken away from the bad aliens. I like that like yeah. they point out we can't keep it next to the other box. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> give it to the collector. <laughs> How did that work out? <laughs> yeah, well, it just makes it that much easier when Thanos shows up and like, ah, oh, two for the yeah, price right. of one. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, the other thing about the ether that just kind of pisses me off <laughs> is it's it's a stone, but it's liquid. Now, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's like a gas- yeah, they gassy, pick, liquidy. Pick, kinda, they do mention that, uh, that it's like every, all the rest of them are stones. And so, I'm like, ah, but so not the this ether, the, weird. Le, le, I think that's part of the problem with this movie, too, is the ether is dumb. Like, I kind of want the ether to be like... 
if, if the ether is going to possess Jane, I don't want the ether to just be like a car alarm for Jane's body, right? I like I want the yeah. ether to like take her over and be an, a monstrous creature that wants to, sure. to wants to and find Malakith and destroy the universe or something. But instead, it's nothing. It's like it's nothing. It doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't affect her and at all. And the powers of it are yeah. completely different than what you know are used yeah. later. It yeah. turns her eyes black. Yeah, it's a MacGuffin, and I or get blue. that. And then yeah. it comes out of her, yeah. and she's just fine. It's not threatening. Yeah, just yeah. G- give us some black swan. That's all, that's all this movie <laughs> needed. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, I'm going to go around and ask everybody for their final opinion of uh, Thor The Dark World. Uh, Joe? Uh, thumbs down. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is not for me. Yeah, this is uh, uh, for all the bad, reasons bad. that we have outlined. Uh, there are good bar- good parts that have been enumerated by 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 John and Dan, but uh, yeah, no, this is yeah. Okay, Doctor Drang. <laughs> I think this is a perfectly watchable movie, and it was certainly not in my top half of Marvel movies. I don't have any hatred for it, but but boy, it, I I do recognize its its tremendous flaws at, at different locate in different areas and uh, it, it is it, again jane's character inexplicably you know they didn't they didn't learn from the first movie maybe they thought because the first movie was is was a success that oh we can just do we can make jane even worse uh in this case i wrote <clears throat> when she learns about the convergence she has this speech that that i wrote down physics is going to go ballistic Increases and decreases in gravity, spatial extrusions, cats and dogs living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. I, y- yeah. You know, I don't see how anyone could listen to her speech without thinking she's going to turn, uh, she's going to go Ghostbusters on it at the end because she <laughs> delivers it exactly yeah. the way Bill Murray delivers that, except it's not supposed to be funny. I, I have a note based on that scene, and this is what my note says. No wonder Selvig went crazy. The science here is bullshit. <laughs> That's my note. Well, he does say, you know, it's great to know that that the universe is is madder than you are, or is more insane yeah, than you it's are. It's another great line from from uh, Stellan Skarsgård. It's all good. Okay, Dan, how do, you, how, how do you feel about the Dark World? No, I mean, I you know, talking about it, I definitely like like Doctor Drang. I, I recognize the shortcomings. It, this movie definitely has a lot of them, um, but there's enough good to keep me coasting through a lot of that the science doesn't bother me it's movie science it's like <laughs> if i if i if i disliked every movie that had bad movie science that would leave me with perilously few um and the the dialogue the performances are still good enough to like like coast on a lot of the goodwill engendered by the first movie for me so that kind of pays off um i agree that that the natalie portman you know having her sort of robbed of a lot of her agency i was trying to think of other marvel heroines who are uh that bad and i would actually i would actually say rachel mcadams and dr strange who also doesn't really have a lot to do and mm-hmm. feels like kind of a yeah. ridiculous side character there um and kind of a waste of another great actress um yeah this is not a problem that is unique to Thor. Uh, it is a problem coming from having 20 movies with, you know, white dude <laughs> heroes, basically. Um, R- written by white dudes and directed written, written by, white by white dudes. dudes. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Well, um, and, and hewing too closely to the original source sure. material yeah. that's 40, 50 years right. old. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and a right. lot of that is stuff that I, I'm, I'm hoping that the next generation of Marvel movies is actively working against. Um, despite the flaws 
it's it's a good ride uh, and for me that last fight really really earns a lot of goodwill and i i spend a lot of time really enjoying the the fun with portals so uh <laughs> it's it's not it's not gonna be in my top you know top chunk of marvel movies for sure but i i don't know i guess something has to go at the bottom it's probably the incredible hulk <laughs> uh, dan yeah. just as a point before we get to john i know that it's movie <laughs> science but there are levels of movie science and there is movie <laughs> science that i accept and there's movie science that i roll that makes me roll my eyes yeah, hard that's and that's this totally Fine. This is the second one of those where it's like they try so hard to explain this complete nonsense. Like, why even try? But they try. They try. It's astrology to me more than astronomy. Yeah, and I think I'm okay with that because it's, just, it's it's not a movie. This is not a movie. Even in the Marvel universe, I don't really care about like the rigorous science of most of yeah. this stuff. It just it's not yeah. a thing that Again, bothers I'm me. I'm not worried about the rigor. I'm not worried about the rigor. I'm worried about the fact that it was like even more bananas than usual ridiculous movie science. But that's, that's we can totally disagree fine. on that. People different people have different yes, thresholds for that true. sort of thing and it, it's not a thing that bothers me as much as like Whew. like terrible writing <laughs> the only thing that salvages for me is that is that selvi is trying to explain it to a room full of of insane people <laughs> in an institution like all right that's fair, fair point movie good job okay john what are your what are your overall thoughts I yeah, mine mine is pretty much similar to Dan's. I don't I don't I certainly don't think it's a great movie. I still I still enjoy watching it. I still think there's enough fun going on in the movie that it it it, it tips it up over the top for me. Um, as far as Marvel movies, it is it is way down on the list for me. But I enjoy basically I would say that I enjoy almost all of them with you know certainly I mean maybe the exception of the Incredible Hulk and, and maybe one or one more but um but this one I think does it for me enough that it that it works and and there's enough I think there's enough humor in it I mean it's for such a having such a terrible villain they still managed to maintain enough like they injected enough humor into it that it 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 passes for me and still still makes it a fun ride and as for me you know um before I watched the Incredible Hulk I thought that this was the worst marvel cinematic universe movie. <laughs> but now that i've seen the incredible hulk i'm sure uh anyway that is that's it for our uh, our wrap-up of uh, of two thor movies there is a third thor movie and we're going to do a whole episode about it later on in the summer of marvel because uh it's awesome and we are going to spend time talking about thor ragnarok good movie it's yeah that's and and i think it, it it's actually fascinating to watch thor as a character go through these two movies as well as the Avengers in between and then see yeah. how he is used in other movies um, especially how he's used in uh, Thor Ragnarok and in Infinity War where um, they they have by that point they figured out exactly what to do with Thor I would argue but that's another podcast we'll talk about it then uh, but still I am happy that I was joined by you wonderful people uh, listeners and panelists alike to talk about Thor in this third installment in our summer of Marvel John Moltz I'm so glad that you could be on and explain to me about the dark <laughs> world uh, after all of this time of you and I going back and forth about I'm so it. glad we finally had the chance to work things out and you've you've seen I understand your I understand your point of view although I don't think I will sign a joint statement about it I understand your point of view Dan Morin thank you give me your shoe <laughs> you're not gonna do one of those science demonstrations are you Dr. Drang thank you very much I still think better without pants uh, Joe Rosensteel thank you look at you still all muscly and everything <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable we will be back next week with more goodbye everybody goodbye everybody